Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the deciding point. Our Crack Rackets weekly breakdown of the biggest storylines happening throughout the tennis world. On this week's show, I want to talk about how there were six ATP and WTA events, but countless storylines that emerged out of last week's tour action. In particular, I'm going to cover the sustained excellence of Pablo Carreno Busta, the continued ascent of players like Kasper Ruud, Barbara Krejcikova, Tamara Zedanzik. I want to offer an update on where the analytics stand regarding this 2021 one season and so much more with that in mind Westoff roll those credits let's start today's show Let's talk now about Pablo Carreno Busta, who captures the sixth ATP title overall in his career, first at the 500 level this past week in Hamburg. Now, there's no denying the draw in Hamburg, not the strongest 500 level event we've ever seen, but for Carreno Busta to come through that draw and not drop a set speaks to how well the 30-year-old is playing here this season. You look for Carreno Busta, it's his second title in 2021, the other one also came on on red clay courts at that time. It was in Marbella a few months ago. You look for Carreno Busta now, 37 and 16 this year. He's ranked 11th in the ATP rankings. You want to turn to the advanced metrics, our friends at Tennis Abstract, of course, providing us with the ELO ratings. He's 10th in overall ELO, 10th in 2021 specific ELO as well. The question I'd like to pose to all of you, has Pablo Carreno Busta outlasted the rest of his generation. We talk so frequently about that lost gen. When you do, the names that immediately come to mind, a Rayonich, a Dimitrov, a Jack Sock, the David Goffin, those were the guys we thought perhaps at this point would be competing at the highest stages of the game, competing to not only win one, but add to their Grand Slam titles. Unfortunately for them, and perhaps still fortunately for us as we've gotten to see the sustained excellence of the big three, we've gotten to see this next generation of players already make such a heavy push. Of course, Berrettini, Tsitsipas, Zverev, Medvedev, finalists at your last four competed at Grand Slams. The point being, you know, you look at this lost gen, there's not too many of them lingering still at the very top, certainly top 12, top 20 of the men's game. Now, part of that is due to injuries. We haven't seen a healthy Milos Raonic, it feels like, really since 2018, 2019. Grigor Dimitrov's been banged up so frequently. David Goffin uh, was hit in the eye with the ball that kept him off the court, but has dealt with some other injuries as well over this past span of time. Right now, Pablo Carreno Busta might be the last hope for that lost gen. He may be at the top. Now, I didn't include Dominic Team in that group. He's a little bit younger than them, and, you know, it still feels like he has just, you know, he's played his best tennis for a while, but he is now certainly at the in the prime of his career. He captures that 2020 U.S. Open title. He's sort of in a different category on his own, but you look at that lost gen, the Rayonich, the Dimitrovs, the Jack Sox of the world. Has their window shut? 
to win a Grand Slam title. After Djokovic is done winning however many he wins, let's say Nadal sneaks out another one. Team may even win another one as well, but those next-gen guys seem ready. They're, you know, nipping at the bit to capture their first major title. Who's got the best shot of the lost gen? Who might be the person that delivers that 1990 to 1995 born cohort? A men's single slam title. Now, of course, team has done it, but will there be anyone else? I would argue Carreno Busta. He's the closest amongst the group. You date back to, I believe it's the 2018 US Open. There have been 18 Grand Slams played since then. So maybe it's 2017, but he has made the third round or better of 14 of his last 18 Grand Slams. As Pablo Carreno Busta. Now, during that time, he's also made, you know, fourth round in seven of them. He's made quarterfinals in four of them. He's made semifinals in two of them. That's better in terms of a sustained period than the rest of the group over this most recent stretch. And look, he's always in the final 32. About half of the time, he's in the final 16. Making the second week of a slam is half the battle. And we've seen Carreno Busta's ceiling isn't as high as some of these other next geners, particularly when you're not on a clay court. But, you know, if if the Rafa's hold on Roland Garros is broken, we all thought Dominic Team might be the heir apparent. Maybe Novak Djokovic sneaks out a couple more at Roland Garros as well. But if it's going to happen for the lost generation, maybe the best shot is Pablo Carreno Busta at the 2022 French Open. Now, I'm not naming him a favorite. I'm not even saying it's likely to happen, but you look at that lost gen, sure, a healthy Ranich, would we like him at Wimbledon? Maybe, but for Carreno Busta, again, we've seen him compete, make the semifinals uh, of a Grand Slam before. You look for him in his career. Carreno Busta, a ton of success on the clay courts. He's, I believe, 310 and 152, 67% win percentage. That's better than his 64% for his career. The point Point being, the injuries to Dimitrov, the injuries to Rayonich, the injuries to Jack Sock, and while he's rising and, you know, returning somewhat to form, he's not at winning Grand Slam title form, not even close to it. The guy who's probably closest is Pablo Carreno Busta. The metrics suggest as much. The recent results suggest as much. I don't know if that's a good thing for the lost gen, but that's certainly where we're at at this point in the 2021 season. Of course, one of the questions we always ask as tennis fans is who will be that next player to capture their maiden Grand Slam singles title? We've been so fortunate to be treated to so many of late on the women's side, in particular Naomi Osaka, Bianca Andreescu, Sonia Kennan, Iga Sviantek. Of course, most recently, we saw Barbara Krejcikova capture her maiden Grand Slam singles title. I emphasize maiden singles title because we'd seen her do it in doubles before, but she captures that title at Roland Garros. She follows it up with a round of 16 at Wimbledon, and while that pursuit of title number one is always the biggest storylines, one of the most consequential storylines is how those Grand Slam champions follow up on their success. Are they able to meet the expectations that come with winning a major title? In the case of Barbara Krejcikova, the answer to that question has been an unequivocal yes. You Look for Krejcikova since the start of May, and that dates back to before her French Open title. But she's 22-2 and overall 
during that stretch of time, has captured three titles in five events. Her only two losses, Ashley Barty and Iga Sviantek. In both of those instances, Barty and Sviantek went on to win the tournament that they were playing. Simply put, Barbara Krejcikova has been sensational now for a sustained stretch of time. There's a reason she has entered the conversation as one of the elite players in the women's game. And we're still curious what her upside exactly is going to be. But you look for Barbara Krejcikova. She's a top 10 server via hold percentage on Tennis Abstract's leaderboard. She's a top 20 returner on Tennis Abstract's uh, via their break percentage via their stats leaderboard. You look for her over that makes her one of eight players to rank in the top 20 in both hold and break percentage. When I read that short list, that's the sort of quality of play, uh, player Krejcikova has been of late. She's with the, you know, Sviantek, Sabalenka, Muguruza, Jabour. That's your top 15 club. You add Mertens, Sakari, Bardi, and Krejcikova when you look at the top 20 club. I would argue those have been your eight most consequential players over these last 52 weeks of play. And you look for Barbara Krejcikova. She's fourth overall in wins since the tour resumed back in August. She's had success on hard courts. She's had success on clay courts. She's now had success on grass courts as well. Her game translates across surfaces. And you look at her run here this past week to the title in Prague. She doesn't drop a set. On her way to that title. Now, certainly the draw opened up for her following the elimination of top seed Petra Kvitova, but a good straight set win for her over doubles partner Katarina Sinyakova. Looked like that match in the final against Martin Sofa might get tricky. They trade holds in those first two games from there. Krejcikova cruises. She wins the next 10 games in the match. She is clearly at 25 years old, playing the best tennis of her career. And from a trajectory standpoint, that makes sense. And look, she had had a ton of double success early in her career. We weren't sure if that double success would translate to the singles, but you look for her since the start of that 2020 season, and I mentioned the fact she's 51-17 and 17 over the last 52. She's 59-19 and 19 since the start of 2020 overall. Now, played a bunch of qualifying, got into that Australian Open in singles in 2020, and since then has really cruised. Again, made that big breakthrough final. I believe it was in either Dubai or Doha. I know it was one of the middle least events, but makes the final there on the hard courts, obviously wins the French Open title, good showing for her at Wimbledon, round of 16, now an early summer hard court title for her, outdoors in Prague. Her game just works. She's a fluid athlete, no vulnerable weakness. There's no glaring thing you do to hurt Krejcikova. You just have to play consistent uh, and high, and I suppose low margin, high aggression tennis against her. That's a really, really tough thing to execute. There are maybe four or five players capable of doing it. There's a reason Barbara Krejcikova currently number two overall in 2021 ELO ratings, ranked number 11 now. That's a career high for her in singles following this title in Prague. But if you're asking the question, how is she going to defend that Grand Slam title? Will she live up to the expectations that come, the demands that come from tennis fans after you win a major title? The answer has been yes. 22-2 and two since the start of May. When you're playing that good of tennis over a three-month 
month stretch, you are absolutely doing something right. Barbara Krejcikova ascending to her prime, making the most of this post-Roland Garros stretch and just making the most, again, of the confidence that comes with winning a major title. And speaking of capitalizing on their French Open run, Tamara Zdancic makes the most of the number one seed she was given in the Lausanne draw this past week. She ends up winning the title. Three three-set victories. Again, it helps to have that sort of confidence to know you've got French Open semifinal points to fall back on when you get pushed, when you get down a set. She overcomes a set deficit in the final to knock off talented French woman Clara Burrell. Three sets for her. Another WTA title. It's her second final here in 2021. First title of the season, but she's won a clay court title earlier in her career again just makes sense when you watch her game on the clay court, her ability to move that ball around the court, how comfortable she is as a mover sliding into her shots, her ability to find the forehand when she's on the ad side of the court, and then despite giving up all that open space on the deuce, if you press her down the line, that on-the-run forehand, so impressive. You look for Tamara Zdancic. She's up to a new career high of number 37 in the rankings. When you win a WTA title, make another final, make a slam semifinal, those three results on their own, That's probably going to get you inside the top 50. And again, a lot of these results have come on clay court. She's 71 and 61 overall in her career on the WTA level. You look for her on hard courts, which is a of course, the portion of the year we have coming up next, Tamara Zdancic overall, 21-34. and 34. So on the quicker surface, when she doesn't have as much time to get around that ball, hit the forehand cleanly, when her serve sits up a little bit more and it's harder to make up for it uh, on a hard court because that return gets by you that much quicker. I want to see her tested on that surface, but you know what the best part of this result is? We're going to see her tested now during this hardcore summer, ranked number 37. She's going to get into anything she wants to play. So whether it's Rogers Cup, Western and Southern, obviously she's going to be on the border of being seated at the U.S. Open. We will see Zidancic tested, only 23 years old. You don't consider her one of the young rising stars in the women's game, but she is a player who is still just scratching the surface of her prime. Credit to Tamara Zidancic, wins the title in Lausanne. Speaking of two players still just scratching the surface of their primes, quick shout out to both Yulia Putin-Seva, who ultimately wins the title in Budapest. She knocks off Angelina Kalanina in that final Kalanina. 24 years old, now up to a new career high of number 80 in the live rankings. Her power tennis is impeccable, but the creativity from Putin Seva, her slices in particular, the drop shots, it just disrupted the rhythm of Kalanina, uh, gave her fits. And so Putin Seva able to win her second career WTA title. She's another player just because she's fallen outside the top 40. Don't forget how talented she is. The harder you hit the ball, the harder she's able to hit it back at you. And that creativity will give anyone troubles. Speaks to the fact how many talented players we have that I can talk about. Krejcikova, I can talk about Zdancic, Putin Seva, even Kalanina, who again has been one of the rising stars here. And I've tweeted about her a bunch over the past week, but really fun week of WTA Tour results. As always, success breeds success. We see Krejcikova, we see Zdancic, we see Kalnina, Putin, Seva, their success translating this past week on the WTA Tour.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. How about Casper Ruud, the 22-year-old earning the third ATP title of his career, second of this 2021 season this past week in Bastad? You look for Ruud, doesn't drop a set on his way to the title. Now 38-17 and 17 overall here over his last 52 weeks. During that stretch of time, he's made three semifinals at the Masters level. Of course, all of those tournaments coming on clay courts the majority of his success those three master semifinals all three of his ATP titles as well coming on clay courts but you look at the advanced metrics now for Kasparud and certainly it helps that we've had two clay court seasons in a 52 week stretch of time but he's now number nine in 2021 specific ELO ratings which of course measure who you play not when and where like the ATP rankings he's number 11 in overall Lilo, which measures it over the course of your career. He's also up to number 14 in the ATP rankings. That's a career high for Casper Ruud, and you look for Ruud in terms of his metrics over the past 52 weeks. I don't think it's going to surprise anyone to learn. He's one of only seven players to rank in the top 20 in both hold percentage and break percentage. Now, there's the elite category, the Djokovic, Zverev, Nadal, Rublev, Medvedev, their top 15 in in both hold and break percentage, that's the elite of the elite. You look at the guys who are top 20, it's Karatsev, and now it's Kasparud, and you watch Kasparud play. That makes sense because he can do a little bit of everything well. Certainly his ability to hit that kick serve on the ad side, set up first forehands on clay courts, particularly deadly because he can take that forehand inside out. He can take it inside in. I've said it before. It's a mortal version of Rafael Nadal, how heavy he hits that ball, his ability to create angle, his ability to generate depth. Again, the heaviness of that top spin, the pace with which he hits. The forehand can do a little bit of everything. It's so enjoyable for me watching him elevate his backhand. He gets such good height over the back, uh, over the net, and that height makes up for his lack of pace on that shot during his rally balls, but that height also buys him time to get around the ball, find forehands in the rally, and of course, he can hit that ball with pace down the line when he wants. He's shown better and better feel with the slice and his ability to incorporate drop shots as well. His comfort level moving forward, not the best volleyer, but a fine volleyer who knows what to do when he's at the net. He's got a really, really well-rounded game and it makes sense that he's 14th in hold percentage amongst top 50 players, 20th in break percentage. Not quite elite at any one skill yet, but very, very good at a little bit of everything. Now you look for Kasparud, what's so curious, 16 and 26 in his his career in hardcourt matches at the ATP level. Now, he did make a third round in Australia earlier this season, and you look for Kasparud for him to have made that third round in Australia. That speaks to the fact it's still so early in his career, right? And you look for Kasparud. It feels like the best tennis is very much still in front of him. You would feel with more of a sample size, that number at a minimum will get back to 500 because, again, his ability to hit serves, that forehand will rip through any court. Yes, I am 
am concerned about the depth of his backhand on a hard court, but no discernible weakness. I suppose his ball becomes slightly less effective when he plays hard courts versus clay courts, but I think it's a game and his athleticism should translate certainly from clay to the hard courts. He's better than a 16 and 26 record, so it would not surprise me at all to see him make another third, fourth round, depending on who his seed is at the 2021 U.S. Open if he makes a round of 16 quarterfinals at either the Rogers Cup or Western and Southern Open. That's not going to surprise me either. He's a guy who still has a lot of points open to him, a lot of low-hanging fruit in terms of ability to jump up the rankings because, again, we still haven't seen him make a quarterfinal of a Grand Slam. It's the week-in, week-out success that's propelled Kasparud into the top 20. That big breakthrough run, haven't quite seen that yet outside of, I suppose, the semifinals at the Masters event, but I want to see him make a run this summer. I think he's absolutely capable of it, and again, you look at the competition, whether it was Carbeas Benio, whether it was Rune, whether it was Cordy in the final... They just couldn't hold the candle to him on these clay courts in Bastad. Now, again, hard court of absolutely different game. But Kasper Ruud has proven he's a top 10 clay court player in the world. I want to see him prove at a minimum to be a top 30 player on a hard court. I think that's more than a capable floor for him to achieve. That's one of the things to watch. And by the way, we talk about him more on a Great Shot podcast that's coming out this week. But Kasper Ruud, another title for him on the clay. What can he do beyond that? And if he does become successful beyond the clay, that's a top 10 player, right? That's a question for all of us to ponder while watching this summer's action. Shout out to two-time major finalist, former University of Illinois standout Kevin Anderson on earning the title this past week in Newport. You look for Anderson. It's his first title since the start of the 2019 season. Of course, the former slam finalist has dealt with so many injuries over the past 18 months to see him competing at the ATP level 19 and 16 over his last 52 back into the top 100 now at number 74 with his title this past week. That feels like a victory, and we all know Kevin Anderson's ceiling is not a number 74 player in the world. He's a guy who had reached number 5 in the ATP rankings back in 2018. We know with his power tennis, his length, his ability to move forward, and then his movement for his size, he is a dangerous opponent always, even at this stage of his career, and you look at for him quarterfinals onward to get three set wins over Jack Sock and Sasha Bublik, guys who are going to test you physically, who have the sort of power to get you stretched and so force you to play your own aggressive tennis, force those margins to be even thinner. It's a really good week for Kevin Anderson and certainly it's a notable data point heading into the summer because if he gets a wild card and you know into one of these Masters events, whether it's a Rogers Cup, whether it's a Western and Southern, whether we see him perhaps at a City Open or an Atlanta or any of these hardcore events early in the U.S. Open, he can beat anyone on this surface. When that serve is landing, he can beat you. And certainly, he beat Jensen Brooksby in that final straight set victory for him, 7-6-6-4. That power tennis just a little bit overwhelming for Brooksby. But look, Anderson may have ended up in the winner's circle. The biggest victor from Newport, the biggest winner, biggest storyline emerging out of a fantastic event. An event, by the way, that saw Will Blumberg and Jack Sock win the doubles title. And I'm just putting this out there. Jack Sock will have options. If he wants to play with Blumberg, I guarantee you, not only would the U.S. Open have no problem with it, but fans would have no problem with them gifting a wild card, getting that team into the doubles main draw. Obviously, Blumberg, 10-time All-American, one of the 
most captivating college tennis players ever. Sock, one of the most captivating doubles players, one of the most captivating talents in American tennis of the 21st century. It's a really, really fun team. They earned the doubles title. Blumberg's got top 20 doubles upside. That's a story for another time, but the biggest story was Jensen Brooksby, who's now 32-6. and six. Yes, I said that correctly, and you heard me correctly. 32-6 and six since the start of this 2021 season. He's won his first three challenger titles all in the same year. He qualified for his first Roland Garros. He's into the top 130 of the ATP rankings for the first time in his career. Here this past week in Newport, he makes his first ATP-level quarterfinal, semifinal, and final, all while playing in his very first professional grab court event. If you're not sold yet on Jensen Brooksby, I don't know what to tell you, and I've got some numbers for you that I think everyone should be impressed with. He's held serve 80.4% of the time. Now, you know, you see his serve, that second serve very much feels attackable. Anderson did an excellent job of attacking it, keeping Brooksby stretched in the outer thirds of the court, but more importantly, on his back foot. But, you know, Brooksby's still holding 80.4% of the time. That number would be good for 28th, right above Sebastian Corbett. And then, of course, it's his skills at a returner, as a returner, that really separate him, where you see perhaps his most elite quality is his ability to get that ball deep and uh, take away your pace, take away your ability to play plus one as a returner off of both wings. You look, he's broken to serve 34.4% of the time since the start of 2021. Now, while it's against challenger level competition primarily, that 34.4 number would be good for third amongst top 50 players. He would trail Schwartzman, Nadal, and slot in just above Novak Djokovic. That's how much pressure Jensen Brooksby puts on you. And we saw it all week, whether it was against Kudla, whether it was against Thompson, whether it was against Anderson, even in the finals, just never count him out of the point. When he's in the outer thirds, that's when his best tennis emerges. The improvisation, the ability to hit that on the run, down the line shot when you expect him and all of his momentum's going cross quarter. When you expect, you know, you hit a good enough approach shot. Nope, if he gets his racket on it, he's got the ability to hit a passing shot by you, whether it's short angle cross court, whether he beats you to the spot down the line. Sneaky good length, sneaky good mover. Again, the serve's not... the second serve leaves a little bit to be desired. The first serve does as well, but he's only 20 years old. That is low-hanging fruit, and you look for him now, fifth highest ranked under 21-year-old in the world. He's currently would qualify for a next-gen field that would be spectacular. FAA, Sinner, Corda, Musetti, Brooksby, all in the mix. Couple of other fun 21 and under talents as well. Now, I don't think FAA or Sinner will end up playing the match, uh, playing the event, but even if they do, you'd still then get guys like Carlos Alcaraz, Juan Manuel Serendolo, Sebastian Baez, Holger Rune. The next gen finals, the return of the event here in 2021, is going to have an exceptional field. And that exceptional field should include Jensen Brooksby, who has separated himself. He's finally passed Nakashima in the rankings again, 32 and 6. This is the sort of ascent we saw from Sebastian Corda. His just kind of started last August. Brooksby started here this February. But again, he's into the top 130 for the first time. The top 100 is knocking, and Jensen Brooksby has zero points to defend this summer. You don't think the summer hard courts are going to be kind to Jensen Brooksby. The winter hard courts were kind to him. The clay courts were kind to him. The grass courts have been kind to him. The summer hard courts are going to be kind to him. And whether it's at the challenger level, which is where his ranking would have him play, but you know he's going to get wild cards into some major North American hard court events. 
Jensen Brooksby's the real deal, folks. He's going to have the opportunity to crack the top 100 this summer. You're going to see him on your TV screen. And again, his combination, talent, desire, intensity, all of the above. It's unconventional, but it works. Jensen Brooksby has been one of the unequivocal most improved players, one of the unequivocal winners, breakout stars of this 2021 season. I do not expect that to stop here during the hardcore season. And again, Kevin Anderson may have ended up as your victor in Newport. Jensen Brooksby, your biggest winner of what was a fantastic event. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A brief update on where things stand analytics-wise in the 2021 tennis season. Let's start with some of our favorite clubs here at Crack Rackets. And of course, a shout out as always to our friends over at Tennis Abstract, tennisabstract.com. You can find the best database for statistics in tennis. Let's start with our top 15, 20, and 25 clubs on the women's side. Again, this metric measures the players that rank top 15, 20, and 25 in both whole percentage, how frequently they're holding serve, and break percentage, how frequently they're breaking serve. You look at the top 15 club on the women's side, it's the same four names we saw coming into the week. Sabalenka, who ranks first over these last 52 weeks in total wins. You've also got Onjabur, who ranks fourth. Iga Sviantek, who ranks sixth. And then Garbine Muguruza, who ranks ninth. You move beyond that to the top 20 club. Four other names introduced into that club. A new name joining that list this week. You've got Sakari, Mertens, and of course, Ashley Barty, who made the big premiere following Wimbledon into the top 20 club for the first time. They're now joined by 2021 French Open champion Barbara Krejcikova, who did not drop a set in her title run in Prague this past week. Certainly experienced a bunch of success breaking serve as such. Now into the top 20, number 20 by that metric, by the way. Again, those eight players Those have been your most well-rounded players. Those have been the players week in, week out, day in, day out that have mattered most over these last 52 weeks over the WTA Tour. The names you think we might be missing, a lot of them appear in the top 25. That's when you get to incorporate players like Avika Azarenka, who of course has made a final. You get a Jennifer Brady, who's made a final. You get a Conteve and a Bedosa, who have had, you know, Conteve week in, week out so successful. Bedosa round of 16s at Roland Garros and Wimbledon. Then you get Fidelina, Alexandrova, those fill out your top 25 club. Now, of course, the big names missing, Coco Goff, who's just on the outskirts. She's 31-32 in hold and break percentage. And then, of course, Naomi Osaka, who's number one in hold percentage, and the rest doesn't really matter. Osaka's in her own category. But again, those 12, 13 names remain unchanged. Sabalenka, Muguruza, Sviantek, Jabor, Barty, Sakari, uh, Mertens, Krejcikova, Conteve, Bedosa, Vika, Svitolina, Alexandrova, Brady, 
Haven't those been the 13 players that have mattered most over the last 52 weeks on the WTA Tour? I would say yes. I'll leave the opinions up to you all as well. Feel free to comment on them, of course, on our Crack Rackets platforms. Of course, you switch gear on the men's side. The core five remain the core five. Djokovic, Nadal, Zverev, Medvedev, and Andre Rublev. Those are your five top 15 club members. Of course, Rublev number one over these last 52 weeks. Split 80 total matches, 62 and 18. If you start to see some wear down from Rublev, that's why 80 over a 52-week stretch is a ton. But he's your wins leader. Second is Djokovic. Fourth is Medvedev. Fifth is Zverev. I think Nadal's like 11th, but of course, we just don't see him play as many events as the other guys. So it makes sense that that's your top 15 club some movement in the top 20 range karatsev still there casper rude in dominic team out now team still stays in a top 25 club and i think that speaks to a lot of the injuries he's had of like we just haven't seen him play much his numbers say static while other players numbers progress in for casper rude aslan karatsev both guys no big discernible weakness don't have that ultimate weapon that's going to blow you away yes the casper rude forehand the aggression of aslan karatsev they are both weapons but you know you wouldn't put them amongst the elite of the elite weapons you might with the casper rude forehand but the point being them top 20 guys that makes sense now top 25 gets funky it's chorich dimitrov and dominic team i guess those are three guys who have had a lot of injuries so interesting that their metrics you know statistics are still a fan of those three we just need to see them healthy back out on court but those are your top 15 20 25 clubs on the men's side those names staying relatively static of course you look at the elo ratings i always like to look at the 2021 because they do a great approximation of telling the story of this season the most notable numbers that stand out to you that tomorrow's a danzig all the way up to number 23 on the women's side and then of course on the men's side he's been up there all year long but jensen brooksby up to number 22 that's ahead of guys such as Yannick Sinner, Roberto Bautista, Agud, and Roger Federer, Karen Hatchnov. I don't know if I'm ready to have Brooksby ahead of those players quite yet, but that speaks to the success he has had across levels of late. Jensen Brooksby, one of your unequivocal superstars here of 2021. Those are, I suppose, your two most notable outliers. But again, statistics relatively constant after a week that saw six events. Of course, we didn't have too many top 30 players in those events events but movement at the bottom of the ELA ratings you see some guys like Jack Sock on the rise Brooksby on the rise Kevin Anderson on the rise you know Corena Busta holding steady at the top Casper Ruud holding steady at the top on the women's side you know again it's players like Zidanezic it's players like uh Clara Burrell Barbara Krejcikova who keep running up the women's side and then uh Yulia Putin Seva and, and Helena Kalanina and then of course again just week in week out I feel like it's always someone new so it's a very fun time to be a tennis fan those are where your analytics stand but again things are always constant things are always changing that's what makes it so enjoyable to be a tennis fan hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Priceline. 